and welcome back to another episode of the Broker Bros Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. I'm your host, Joe Adonolfi. I'm your co-host, Alex Kushka. And welcome back. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back, Alex. Yep. Thanks, Joe. Another week in the books. Um, we had uh, we had a little teaser last week about a lot of the schedule for the Bills. Um, I think we were pretty close. We were pretty close. I had a prediction. I think you're... Uh, the one prediction you had, you had your buddy sent you, it was like completely accurate. But yeah, it's yeah. official now. It's, it is official now. So, little teaser, we're going to get into uh, our version of uh, picking the bills. The Broker Bros picked the bills. So, we're going we're gonna to go through the 17-game schedule. Yeah, and then Now, 17-game schedule. And we're going to alternate games. And Alex and I are going to pick who we think is going to win. We're going to keep track of it. And we're going to revisit it couple times throughout the year and see how we end up um you know if we're changing and flip-flopping our our uh, our picks based on how the bills are performing right it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a little segment that we're gonna introduce here into the show we'll hold ourselves accountable hopefully we're pretty accurate with our predictions yep. now we're like what four months before the season so yeah exactly. a lot can change but yep and i have to give credit where credit is due we are uh taking this idea from a local radio station here in buffalo wgr 550 uh, Howard Simon and uh, Jeremy Jeremy White do this yep. in the mornings. Now they do Howard picks the Bills, um, and we thought that was an awesome, awesome kind of little uh, you know little segment that we could throw in because we're always doing Bills talk, sports talk. So yeah, it's fun you know. to talk about. We finally have some new some new Bills info. Absolutely. So we'll we'll get on that. Um, also, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna get back into our normal kind of routine here on the podcast. Have a nice market update. What's going on out there right now today in the world of freight. Um, some things that you might need to be paying attention to as a broker, either you know, in the coming up in the future or you know, happening right now. Yep. Um, and then we are going to go over. Um, we've touched on this briefly a few times, but we've never gone in depth, <clears throat> and and it's something that uh, we're seeing a lot of lately, right? A lot of issues with, um, and it's going to be claims from the perspective of bro- of a broker, right? What is a broker's role? What are some common misconceptions that customers think about? You know, the role a broker plays in a claim. Um, and what's the role of, of a carrier, right? And what can we do? Some how tos and, and some don'ts, right? Yeah, hopefully we can be helpful to people because those can get very bad very quickly. So we want everyone to be educated and hopefully prepared for when that inevitable claim does come. Yeah, that's very very true. So with that being said, let's uh, let's get on it, man. Let, let's yeah. start picking the bills. You can. Um, I'll let you start off with with week one, Joe. Yeah. Well. First of all, I gotta say it's uh, this, we're starting a tradition here, right? <laughs> tradition unlike any other. Yep. Um, so we got week one, Pittsburgh coming into Buffalo. That is gonna be a raucous crowd, and that is absolutely an, that is an absolute understatement. I'll be there. You'll be there. It's gonna be great. It's gonna yep. be it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a nice sunny, beautiful day. I can already see it. I think it's gonna be about eighty-five. It's gonna be the sun shining, no clouds. Joe's got a beer in his hand. Yep. At the end of the game, and he's going to point to the Bills beating the Pittsburgh Steelers on the scoreboard. And I'm even going to give you a score. I'm going to say yeah. they're going to route them 41 to 10. 41 to 10. All right. I'm marking it down. burner out of here. So we got Mark one and 0. One, one and 0 against Pittsburgh. All right. Awesome. So I'm here week two at the Miami Dolphins. We go down there to squish the fish. Um, we know in his three years that Josh Allen's had probably more success against the Dolphins than any other team. Dolphins are his kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dolphins fans aren't going to like to hear that, but it's true, so can't hide from the truth. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Miami's improved, but... 
still not sold on their quarterback situation, and I still think we just always have the upper hand on them for one reason or another. We just know what they're going to do. Um, they can play it close sometimes, but you kind of got me there by calling a route on the first one. I was sort of thinking it here, but uh, I'll make it a little bit closer. I'm definitely picking a win. I think All Miami right. just can't keep up offensively. Their defense is good, but let's go with uh, 38 to 21. Kind of wow. route, but they're okay. able to do something there. So I'll mark it down 38. 21, Buffalo. Tua's out there firing a little bit, but Josh just outlasts him, huh? I mean, throwing slants and uh, swing passes isn't going to do it. <laughs> All right, well, we're coming home here now to a uh, to yet again another sold-out crowd in uh, Highmark? Highmark. Highmark. Highmark Stadium? Yeah, that one's going to be, gonna be the Ralph to me. But. To get used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, here's the thing, man. I'm nervous about this game. I'm not going to lie to you, Alex. They're uh, good. Washington is good. They have a defense that can eat you up. Probably uh, one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. If not the and best at this point. You got Chase Young, who's a bona fide superstar already. He's in an this animal. League. Absolute animal. Leader of that defense. And you got Fitz Magic in a I know. bottle on the other side. That's what scares me the and most we, about that. We them. know what he can do. I mean, he's he always gives his team a chance, regardless of what's going on around him. You know what, Alex? I don't care. I say 3 and 0. Bills win. Fitz throws like four picks, crumbles. Awesome. And I think Fitz throws four picks, and it's still only like a 17-13 to 13 game. I could see it because their defense is so good. Yeah. All right, we'll go 17-13-W. All right, so then we go home again, October 3rd, against the Houston Texans. Oh, you got the easy one, Alex. I know, this one's, puff. I'll be quick on this one. I mean, Houston's a mess. Deshaun Watson's probably not going to be playing for them or anyone. Who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, I hate picking out all these blowouts because it never happens that way. But, I mean, Houston, I, I just don't see it. I don't know who they even have this year. Let's go with 28-3. to okay. Buffalo. I like it. Oh, a tough one. Oh, man. We're at yeah, Kansas City. Now we're City. getting to the tough stretch of the schedule, Joe. I'm going to have to go with uh, with the advice of, of some important people in football I've had <laughs> in my life, man, until you beat them. You haven't beat them, so I'm going to have to give a loss. It's going to have to be the first loss of the year here at Kansas yeah. City on Sunday night. Until until the Bills show me they can beat them, it's kind of like the Patriots thing. Right, right. You can't pick them with confidence. Yeah. All so, right. Four and one. We'll give them a loss there. We don't know what the score will be. Good start to um, the season, I'd say. Four and one. We'll take it. Great start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we have Monday night after that at Tennessee in Nashville. We know. Come on. Bills Mafia Are travels we down there. I, Are we avenging last year, Alex? This is probably our second toughest – well, second or third toughest game of the year. Um, I think we can avenge them, but last year I thought they wouldn't have much of a problem with the Titans. Then they were just spooked. Like, they, the Bills had no idea what was going on. They got they got smoked. Also had a short week, COVID stuff. There was a lot of weird stuff going on, but, like, we can't make too many excuses for them. They got like whomped. I the you're going here, man, because uh, you're ruining my <laughs> – No, no, I think, uh, I, think, I think we can make it happen. I think there'll be – half the stadium will be in blue and red. That's true. Our blue and red, not right. Tennessee Titans blue and red. Well, I, think, I think we can pull this one out. We can avenge it. I mean, Tennessee lost a lot of players, so – I don't have a score for you. I think it'll be close. I think we win this one, though, Monday night against wow, the 5-1. 5-1. and, one. Five and one. We win. You set me up to bring you guys back down because guess what? Joe, I got a surpriser. I got something surprising. Goes out. Shout out to uh, one of my best friends who's a Dolphins fan. I got to throw him a bone every once in a while. Nah. <laughs> I don't think they're that bad. I don't think Miami's that bad where Definitely, they're, they're, yeah, they're going to be beaten twice in one year by the same team. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle. I think it comes down to maybe a last-second field goal or something like that. But 
I think Miami squeaks one out on us, man. That one's, I'm that one's on Halloween, there. too. Yep, I'm going to take a loss there. It's a scary sight, Joe. Yeah, I know, I know, man. But, hey, we got a good run coming up after that. Me, too. We have... Well, we already came off the bye. But... Yeah, all right, so now we're going, what would that be, week eight? I don't know, not keeping good track here. But after that, we are at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Trevor week Lawrences. Eight, yeah. So that one's pretty easy as well. Um I mean, they'll be slightly improved, but they're not going to have many wins this year. That one's probably, yeah, I'm not going to pick a score there, but that's a win. I don't think anyone's doubting us on that one. That's a win. What we got next, Joe? Six and two. Uh, we got the New York, uh, I was going to say football Jets. <laughs> New York football Jets. <laughs> New Jersey uh, Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, that's a win. Yeah, yeah right. we don't even have to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we don't even have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win. 7-2. and 7-2. and two. I like it. 7-2. and two. All right. All right. Here's a tough one. What do you got for yeah, us? Yeah, Indy. So we played them in the playoffs this year, and it was tough. I mean, they were there. They I can't remember. Were they up on us near the end of the game? Or they came back. They are pretty yeah, close. they were coming back. They were, I was they worried. Because that second half, goal. like, they were playing better football than the Bills. They, yes. were, they were scoring on us. They're tough, but Carson Wentz is a question mark. Who knows how that'll work out. I think this is a tough game. I think we beat them, though. Um I just don't think they can keep off offensively if we can stop their run game. So let's give us a W there. I like it. Well, I'm going to come right back. And, and the Bills back on Thanksgiving. I think it's become a theme, man. Bills do on so. Thanksgiving, and it's, it's we over. We talked about it. I think they should be on Thanksgiving every year. It's over. So I'm going to go <laughs> quick on this one, too. I, I'm giving the Bills the win there on uh, four in a row now. Heading into, Against the Saints. Heading into a big, big yeah. matchup. Monday night in Orchard Park. Bill Belichick comes to town. And who knows? Maybe Mac Jones. I don't know. That's your. What do you that's got? your guy there. I know. What do you I got? don't know. You probably have a different feeling than me, but uh, they're going to be better. They signed a lot of guys, but we know that free agency always doesn't doesn't always solve your problems. Um, True. Guys don't always you know perform like they used to on their old team. So New England's going to be better, but we're just still I think a, a good step above the Patriots, especially offensively. Their, their quarterback situation, whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones, it's just not it's not up to par. And yeah. you saw the last yeah. time we played him; it was thirty-eight to nine. So that's that's a win. It's a win for everyone to see again two Ten years in a two. row. Love Ten it. Two. We All have right. we have no sympathy for our New England listeners. No, no. And a uh, really tough one at Tampa on a Sunday yes. at a four twenty-five. I want to beat him so bad, man. But again, until you beat the big bad wolf, you haven't. I'm gonna go with the loss. I reluctantly agree with you on that one. That's gonna be tough. I'm actually yep. going to that game, Joe. Ooh. Yeah. It's going to be fun. No, so we'll I might let you have know. to go, man. You're pushing me. <laughs> All right, so we, we got, got Carolina. We got Carolina coming in. Third loss, so then we have Carolina at home. I don't see much of an issue there. That's nah. a win. Nah, that's a win. 11-3. and three. I like it. Um, at New England, you gave them a win on Monday night. I'm God, I feel like I'm picking all the losses here. I'm going to have to go with a loss. Because again, tough ones. as you said, New England, I don't think they're as bad as last year. I think they're very much improved. They're again, definitely it's, better. It's hard. It's very hard to beat a team twice in this league. Um, and it's at New England coming off a big you know, big win on Monday night at home against them. Going to New England could be a letdown. Okay. Trap game. I'm going to go loss. I'll take it. I'll take it. I will say, Joe, we did sweep the division last year. So you say it's hard to beat a team twice, but we did it three yeah, times. Yeah, but that division was weak last year, man. I'm just saying. That's the only thing. Po- I know. Anything's I know. possible. I <laughs> All, right. All right. So now we got back home. January 2nd, so that'll be 2022. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta Falcons. Nah, that's a win. That's a win. And I'm just going to save everybody the uh, the wondering here. It's going to be a win against the Jets as well. We're sweeping the Jets. Probably we'll rest our starters and we'll still win. Yeah. 13-4. and four. I'll take it. Absolutely we'll take it. 
Yeah. That probably puts us at like the two seed, though, yeah. which is unfortunate. Kansas City will probably have a better record than that. That's probably true. But I'm in. I'm in. All right. So thirteen and four. Thirteen and four. Book it. Um, we're, we're booking <laughs> it. Uh, so we we saved this on our nice little cheat sheet here, and we're gonna revisit it probably. I'd say like before training camp begins, we're gonna get in there. Yeah. Or any major major. Uh, I feel like each week we can just touch on and be like, hey, this is what we picked. Let's see if it was correct. Right. Exactly. Or do we still feel the same way? I like it, man. All Put right. it in the books. So now on. Let's to talk to some freight. World of freight. Yeah. So Alex, we, what do you got for us? We got an interesting market update here um, that would affect everyone, everyone involved in the world of transportation here. So. I don't know if this is necessarily being pushed right now. It's been something that's been mentioned, I guess, since 2019 um, with the federal government. Um, so they're looking at potentially implementing a VMT, which is a vehicle miles traveled tax um, on trucking companies, basically to collect taxes to pay for our crumbling highways, bridges, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that infrastructure um, needs work, man. Definitely needs work. Um, so kind of comes down to how are they going to pay for that um and this is something that from this article from freight waves again you know we always get a lot of good articles from freight waves basically they said popular with policymakers, not popular with industry lobbyists or the drivers or you know companies themselves obviously in this country no policymakers doesn't affect them obviously it's popular with them yeah. the people that it affects they're not going to like it so yeah let's get into it um first thing i want to point out this is obviously a new thing that would be added on to existing taxes on trucking companies and fuel taxes and things like that. Let's say we got fuel tax already on these trucks. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. So they're just trying to add something else on top of that. Um, but four states actually already have this in place. So I guess when you are driving in those states, you do pay this VMT tax. Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, and Oregon already have this in place. Um, it ranges from one to 29 cents per mile tax which is a pretty big range in my opinion i don't know how that is all calculated but well so kentucky though has a flat yeah they said three three cents yeah the others have the one to 29 right so it's kind of a big range uh, when it comes per mile you know if you're doing a thousand miles that could be a big difference there but varies on trucks weight right i believe so and a couple of different factors so uh we'll have to look at it but it's being talked about you know obviously it's a controversial thing here adding more taxes onto trucking companies um, they think that it gives a better estimation or a better outlook of the wear and tear that's being put on the roads by these trucks. They probably have a good point there, um, but I think the fuel tax can also play a part in that. You're going to have a certain miles per gallon, depending on how far you're traveling. Uh, but the Congressional Budget Office had a 2019 study, and they outlined three things that they need to determine if they're ever going to put this in place. So first thing is the tax base. Which trucks are going to be taxed and which roads are they going to be taxed on? Is it going to be everything? Is it going to be throughways? Is it going to be who you know state routes? Whatever it might be. Um, which type of trucks? Is it going to be you know only the big well, let's talk trailers? About yeah, let's talk about think? that for a second. Yeah. I, I mean, what I would I mean, you're to me it would have to be based on the major interstates, right? I mean, yes. If we're, it's just going to get way too complicated, granular, like like. What are we doing? Then we're going on country roads, right. back roads. And local like, local roads. Like, I don't think that should be part of it. No. No, not at all. So I think, and I don't know, it sounds like you agree with me. It would have to be on major interstates. Yes. So as far as that tax base, as far as which roads would be taxed. Now, which trucks? 
that's going to be weird. Like, is it going to be just tractor trailers with a dry van or a flatbed or, you know, a reefer behind it? Or is it going to affect box you know, trucks box or right? hot shots or sprinter vans or whatever else you see on the road? So I would have to say I probably, again, if I'm, uh, if I'm making this up right now in a, in a, in a fantasy world, um, I'd have to probably put that limit at 53. Yeah, 50, full-size well, trucks. Probably. Yeah, full-size trucks, let's say, because you got your 40-footers, things like that. But full-size trucks, right? I would agree. That probably would, would make sense. And They're, obviously, it's all going to vary based on the equipment and the weight, and we'll get into that. Yeah. But yeah. probably just full-size trucks for now. So next thing they need to identify is going to be the rate system. Is it going to be uniform across the board, or is it going to be specific to the truck type, the weight, the location? That's a lot to figure out. Um, are they going to charge a drive-in different than a reefer? Are they going to charge it differently in Florida than they do in Texas? Obviously, the weight should play a part in it because uh, that's kind of affecting the roads. But those other things, those are tough to determine. And uh, good thing it's not up, up to us to decide that, I'd say, Joe. I mean, yeah, because think about it. you got it in certain states on a variable on weight, 1 to 29 cents. Great, when you're at a state level. You're going to take it to a federal level, <laughs> and that's then, a lot of variables being in play there. Right, and is every state going to have the same structure? I mean, that'd be tough to put into place. I don't know. And then when you're going interstate, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's going to have to be totally There's going to have to be a lot of tracking there, too. Like, okay, you went from over this border, and now you're paying a different rate. I mean, there's going to have to be something automated Well, I think the place. rate structure would have to be, there's no other be, way but the federally, like, right. that is the uniform for right. everything, right? Because that's the only way you get past interstate. Um, cause then you just have a big mess. Yeah. It would just, you can't keep track of that. So then yeah. the last thing they need to determine would be implementation. So how are they going to track this thing? Is it going to be just checking odometers for the miles they travel? Is it going to be ELDs? Is it going to be like a RFID radio frequency, like, which is used for tolls now, like cashless tolls. How are they going to do this? Because people are arguing like the ELDs were put into place for just tracking hours. They don't track miles right now. I mean, I'm sure that's probably a pretty easy software fix, um, but seems like different things are going to have to be put in place. Also, let me find it right here. Um, the American Trucking Association said that 72% of commercial vehicles are not required to be equipped with recorders right now. Exactly. So there's I mean, still that's... a lot out there that don't even have like or maybe they have an ELD or, you know, they don't all have the same thing. It's not standard across the board. So how are you going to track it? How are you going to get I'm, it in every truck? I'm going with RFID, man. I mean, if, if set up a system where it's, you know, like, I think like the tolls, that's what I'm saying. Like you, gate. you start in Buffalo, let's say, and you go all the way to Albany, like that's going to track, you know, there's no way that you weren't on that road the whole time. You got exactly. to Albany, like there's your mileage, right? Yeah. And, and anytime you take an exit off, maybe there's a gate there that sees you're getting off and that's when it stops. So, That'd probably be the best way to do it. I agree with you on that. Yeah, because those ELDs, like, not every, not even close to every carrier in America has them. Like, right. it's going to be tough to be able to do that. And then you got other And people. then are you going to make the carriers pay for the cost to get that in? You're paying that, making them pay for getting these recorders just to pay more in taxes. It's like, they're not going to like that, obviously. They're, you know, just yeah. adding additional cost to them. Um, so there's a lot, lot going on there. So, a couple extra points here. Um this whole plan, if it was put into place, would probably cost the federal government around $20 billion to put in place. So it's not cheap. Um, so they would have to see if they're willing to you know, eat that cost. And this is versus just raising the fuel, fuel tax that already exists. Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of brought me into my next point. The American Trucking Association, they would rather raise fuel taxes because they feel like that's a fair way to do it right now. 
If you want to raise it, do it that way. Don't add something additional that's going to be more complicated on top of it. It's just going to be tough to keep track of. Just increase the fuel tax if you have to increase the tax in one way or the other. That's what I'd say. I mean, nobody's going to like it, but, like, something has to be done, right? I mean, right. we do have to get more funds for infrastructure, but, I mean, why why, why, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. The one, the one thing I don't like about this, Joe, is I feel like carriers, trucking companies have been hit pretty hard throughout the pandemic. I mean, they're, they're making good rates now, but a lot of these are small businesses and why are we hitting them harder with taxes now? I mean, they're providing an essential service to our economy. They keep the economy moving, literally taking things across the country. But now we're going to charge them more for doing that. It might discourage certain carriers for taking that cross country run because they're going to pay more taxes than they would have before. I don't know. Just something to think about there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent something to think about. And then we always say the, so what for brokers? I mean, you raise fuel taxes, fuel, you know, that's obviously going to increase fuel costs, right? right. And we can control that as brokers or, yeah. or try to control that as much as we can by doing the actual math and not allowing carriers to gouge us, right? Yep. Now, you introduce a totally new structure of right. DMT. That's going to be tough gonna to take, keep yeah. track of. As a broker, for, that's going to be For everyone tough. involved, too. Like, that's just yeah. going to be like... I mean, okay, you're going to have carriers accurate? trying to take advantage of it. Right, right. And from the customer, too, they're not going to know what's going on with it. So I thought one other thing here maybe could be an alternate. Instead of, like, the fuel taxes are obviously already being paid by the trucking companies. That's, you know, right. what they do to kind of contribute money back to to the highways, to infrastructure and everything. Is it that crazy to think maybe we tax the shipper for the miles that their load's going to travel instead of the trucking company so it's not all on them? I mean, these are the companies putting things in place to be sent across the country. Maybe yeah. they pay the VMT tax. I think the only problem you run into there is like trucking companies are so like uniform that they all fall under the FMCSA, right? So it can be as it's like a requirement. Like they have to do that yes. for business practices. They have to record their fuel for the tax purposes. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going to get into the shippers or the customers, like you're going to deal with United, you're going to deal with, you know, steel workers, you're going to deal, you're going to deal across so oh, many different industries. Totally. That it's going to it's be not hard easy. to be uniform. Yes. You know, that's my, that would be my worry on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of a way to yeah. reduce the burden on the truckers. Oh, I know. I'm with you on that. Cause I know they have, you know, thin, thin operating margins to begin with. So I don't yeah. know, just a thought there. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, because something does have to be done. Ultimately, if I had to put, you know, what I think is going to be done, I think it's just going to be a raise on the on the fuel tax. I mean, totally agree. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Way. I feel like something like this, I don't realistically seeing it happen because both sides are going to fight back and forth on it so much that nothing's going to get done. Or so, did want to implement this? Do it the right way and take five to ten years to create a. They, they, I think they mentioned that they said this is. If it were to go, it would be a 10-year plan almost because right. you literally are introducing an entirely new concept into the into, into the business practice of being a motor carrier in America. <laughs> yes. Yep. You so know, think of that. I mean, I don't think anything will happen soon, but we'll keep an eye on it and yeah. we'll keep people updated if there's any moves made with that. But I mean, that definitely affects brokers, customers, carriers. Right. together and it's good to just be informed on kind of how that's going right what, yeah. what's going if on your cost that affects are, you directly <laughs> if your costs are going to be increasing you want to know about it yeah exactly all right well we'll keep an eye on that one keep updates as they come come along and across our desk here yes um so we want to pivot a little bit now um you know speaking of trucks rolling across the roads a lot of issues can arise with freight that's in those trucks right yes absolutely. so when we're talking about that we're talking about claims we're talking about um you know product that's denied at a receiver product that's damaged 
We're talking about produce that goes bad. Product that could be missing. That never Products got missing. picked up. It never got fully delivered. Yep. Missing a few pallets. There's a lot of different ways we can see a claim. Yeah, so there's a, uh, there's a common misconception out there that uh, customers think that because I booked the freight with you, Mr. Broker, you will now pay me out any claims that arise with that. Right. And Alex, that's most of the time that's wrong. Tell us why that's wrong and kind of the perspective of the broker on a claim. Yeah, that's wrong because, I mean, the broker's not in the business of taking responsibility and taking ownership of the freight. So actually, I would say most brokers I know, us at LDI, we never actually take ownership of the freight. It goes from the shipper, and once it's loaded onto that truck, it is the carrier's ownership now. Uh, so that's why they're going to be responsible for the value of that potential claim, we're not in the business of doing that. I think most brokerages would be out of business if they had to be required to pay those claims because they're just not going to have that much money. You just be a carrier scapegoat. Like, oh, broker, exactly. yeah, I screwed up a broker pays. And the broker is sitting at his desk a thousand miles away from the truck moving and picking up and delivering. He has nothing to do with what happened and what went wrong. It's not his fault, um, his or hers fault. So it's going to be, I mean, obviously that, that goes over to the carrier. Right. Yeah, and you just, if anybody has, like, you know, you think of it as a cut from a customer standpoint, you have an issue with, well, what the hell, I booked this with you, like, why, it's, you got to think of it from, everybody's got to step into each other's shoes at times in this business, right? You step in the shoes of a broker where I can get totally taken advantage of, terrible carrier, screws everything, but, like, I had to move that freight, right, and everything looked good. Um, it happens in this business. So yeah. now, wh- like you said, where would we be as a business is now we have to pay out that carrier and then we have to pay out this customer a claim. Like, it would, we would uh, be completely on our ass. It we would be, be totally upended. The carriers would be able to take advantage of it completely because yes. anytime they just would have no responsibility for it, any any of their bad intentions or accidents, whatever it might be, it wouldn't be their fault. And yep. They're the ones that tip, I'm not blaming everything on the carriers, but oh. a lot of the times that is the cause of it. You know, it's on their truck when something bad happens or something goes missing or something spoiled or stolen. So yes. it needs to go back on them. And it's not going to go back on them directly. It's not Mr. Truck Driver paying it out of his pocket. That's why they have insurance. Yes. So that being said, Alex, take us through the proper and necessary steps that a broker should take to make sure that a claim runs as smoothly as possible. Because Saying all this, somebody could take this and listen to us right now and be like, "Oh, these guys—they get a claim on a load. They don't give a shit. Like they're just like, ah, whatever, carrier, see ya." Yeah. No, that is not at all. What we're saying that is not at all what happens. So, right. Alex, take us through kind of the, uh, the the how-to's on a successful broker, how he handles a claim. Yeah, I mean, you you're the middleman in this whole thing. So when there's a problem, you're still the middleman to solve that problem. So you have to facilitate the claim. I mean, once you find out that something is damaged, something's missing, you know, I could go on and on. Um, obviously, you're gonna let the customer know, or they might already know because their receiver called them and said, "Hey, I didn't get all this, or it's damaged." Um, customer's gonna come to you and say, "Hey, I need to file a claim. You know, we were losing money on this. What do we need to do here?" So. You as the broker, you know, your brokerage is probably have some sort of paperwork or form that they can fill out for, you know, what they're claiming, what's missing, the value of it, you know, how many cases or pallets there are, um, and, you know, what value they're looking to be reimbursed for. So you're going to take that, give it to your customer, have them fill it out, bring it to your claims department. And you know, we have a claims department here at LDI. They facilitate that and then take it to the carrier and then eventually to the carrier's insurance. Um, and then you're going to go to them with, okay, this is what the customer's claiming. Obviously, they have the opportunity to fight that and provide yep. their own evidence on it. Um, but then, what do we see? Driver negligence is usually our uh, the scapegoat of the insurance yeah, world here on carriers. Right. So the insurance insurance could come back and say, well, you know, driver negligence. We're not we're not covering that. That's how they could get out of it. 
that's just kind of a slimy way to go about it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It does happen, though. You know what I mean? It definitely yeah. happens a, a decent amount here. Um, and when that does come up, that's when you have to play the role that you don't want to play and what we just said go against everything. You know, that's where you can come into play and, and give your customer – get creative with, you know, we're not just going to straight pay out on a claim, but get creative, right? And we'll take – you know, next next load we run, we're not going to charge it, right? We'll just eat the cost, right? right. If that's like a, a equal to what the claim payout would have been, or something mm-hmm. like that, or give you a credit memo, right? For right. for something like that, you got to get creative as a broker when the carrier ultimately just drops the complete ball, right? And, and it's not your fault, and it's not the insurance company's fault, right? It goes on the driver, but like you just said, nobody's going to go make a driver. It's personal liability, right? They're not going to go make a driver pay out of his pocket because right. it was his negligence. No, he's protected by that company. Insurance denies it. Yeah, that's where you got to get creative. To I think salvage that relationship. Another option there too is if the carrier's insurance, um, you know, denies it, says they're not paying it. Well, then you're also going to go to the carrier and say, "Hey, oh yeah, it's not our fault that you picked subpar insurance that just doesn't want anything to do with the claim. This is still on you. I mean, we still need something to happen here. We're not going to pay this value of this claim. It's not our fault. We're involved in it, but we're going to work with you to make this happen. But the customer needs to be reimbursed here. So right. if your insurance isn't going to cover it, maybe you need better insurance. And then you're going to learn your lesson of you may have to pay it out now um, yeah. in one way or another because we got to make this thing right, especially if it's clearly the carrier's fault and there's evidence of that. They, they can't really dispute it. And if they do dispute it, that's where you get into sure. legal action and things like that. We obviously want to avoid that, but that does happen because- I mean, it would end up with the with the broker being hurt by it instead of the carrier. You kind of ha- might have to take that legal action there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of just skipped over that because obviously, you know, you're going to go after that carrier to try and, you know, pay out of their own pocket. But you know as well as I do that sometimes that's a long, long battle. And you might get it at the end of the day, but the customer does not care, right? They don't yeah. care. They're not going to want that long battle. They're not going to give a... Two cents, fifty cents. They don't really care where dollar, it whatever comes from. They just they're want not going to care, money back. right? So that's why sometimes you got to get a little creative with yes. things like those credit. You're going to recoup your money from the carrier via legal action that's right. going to be drawn out. Mm-hmm. But to save face with your customer, you need to get in front of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you got to just try to make it work for them. Otherwise, you may end up losing that customer, and that does happen from claims, which is, it sucks. But like you said, you got to do what you can to try and make it right for them. Yep. And I guess the least damaging way to you and your your pocket. Yeah. So uh, to kind of kind of sum up here, what we're talking about claims from the perspective of a broker, we are a facilitator, mm-hmm. right? We are not the carrier. We never take ownership of the freight. Yep. Therefore, the carrier is on hook for that claim. Right. All right. So that's from the perspective as far as like what is our role, um, and then common misconceptions, right? A lot of customers can think that um, we are going to pay out on claims. It's co- I would say it's very good to kind of have that conversation before we ever get into a claim with a customer, right? Make sure they understand so that when it, when it does come and it does happen, there's not a bunch of like, what? I thought it was this and what? I yeah. thought you guys were going to cover it. Have that conversation be, with them. Be clear that you will not, you know, be responsible for that claim if one ever does happen. And, you know, if your contract says that, we're going to have to make some adjustments to it or suggest an alternate contract. Yeah. We are never going to sign something that says we're liable for a claim that is not, you know, our doing. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but the last wrap-up is going to be making sure you're extremely proactive. You're going to be more proactive with a claim (laughs) than you would be with a load, right, as far as tracking, I'd say. You should be, right, because that way you're going to do yourself favors, right? You're not going to do yourself any favors by sitting back and saying, well, I submitted to the carrier and that's it, right? We're just going to see what they do. you got to make it happen because the carrier is probably going to ignore it or their insurance is going to ignore it. Like, I've been actually working on a claim for... uh, 
over a month now for one of our agents and the carrier just doesn't even answer the phone anymore. They don't answer emails. They're just ignoring it because they'll think it'll go away. So yep. you got to be proactive. You got to push on it and push on it early because that thing might happen where they're just going to block your number and you can't do anything about that. Right. And I kind of want to, like I said, we'll get to that a caveat there on these um, where, you know, we're saying broker isn't liable, this and that. A lot of companies in the probably the last year or two have started to you know kind of realize, and there's some uh, some suits and ties that have started to put together some clauses and some contracts um, that basically care or broker is 100% liable. Right. That's why you got to be careful when reading those contracts. Exactly, exactly. But if it is going to be worth the business, right, and you 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 you're going to say you're going to sign that, there are some some lovely options out there for you as a broker that Good can point. still protect you. Right, and one of those is going to be one that we're partnered with here at LDI. It's going to be called Cargo Shield. Okay, and that's something that we we do that a lot of times. Where if we do have a customer that makes us sign an agreement like that, require right it needs to be on every single load. every load. So, yeah. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about what Cargo Shield is? Yeah, so Cargo Shield is. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It's all risk policy that basically yep. replaces our insurance for it and the carrier's insurance for that load. So if there is a claim, Cargo Shield is going to pay it out first and then work to figure it out on the back end later. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're paid to do. That's their service. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you have to pay for that because they're putting themselves out there when they you know don't have to. Um, our fee, I don't know if this varies at other places, but it's $34 per four, uh, sorry, per full truckload. Um, it's gonna, twister. Yeah, I know. It's going to cover... <laughs> I believe $100,000 of value. Yes, full truckload, 100000 and then LTL is going to be 50000 Right. So that's an option there where if that customer says you can be liable for it, you're going to want to pay that $34 every time to basically ensure that you aren't going to end up being liable for it. You'll pay $34 instead of $34,000 potentially. Yeah. And it's a win-win. I, I present it to my customer that way, right? It's mm-hmm. a win for you. It's a win for me. It's a, it's a win. The only one who loses in this is the carrier, right? And, and you know, not to say that we don't care, but when a claim happens, like you know, hey, it's it's your fault, Mr. Carrier. Yes. Right? So, yes. Um, you got it exactly right, right? It's going to be, I believe, and we'll get it, you know, double check me on this, but I believe ninety nine percent. It's a thirty day, right? It's claim comes in, Cargo Shield says we're going to pay out that claim if it's a valid one within, regardless, within thirty days to the Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer. Yeah, that's that's and great then, to hear from the customer's perspective. It's awesome, right? And it's unheard of in the what, world. Because what claim gets paid in 30 days? That no, doesn't happen. No, yeah. it might be 60. I think it's 30. It might be 60. I don't know. I'll have to double check. Yeah, we'll number. have to check. But there is a set number. Um, and then, you know, like you said, that's kind of, they, they buy debt, right? Almost, you could mm-hmm. say. Um, and then they go after and try and collect to the carrier. Right. And they'll and fight that battle It's for their months. problem at that point. So that takes a lot of stress off your shoulders because the customer's happy and you don't necessarily have to worry about it at that point. And it's a great option for LTL where we kind of br- want to briefly mention if you do just a normal LTL and there's a claim, 10 cents on the dollar you're covered for, I believe yeah. it is, 15 cents on the dollar. Yeah. It's garbage, right? A lot different than like a full truckload where the carrier has to maintain at least 100000 in cargo insurance. That's not the case for LTL. Like you said, it's about... 10 cents per pound. So you're not going to get anything close to the value if there's an LTL no. claim. And I feel like LTL claims probably happen more often than a full truckload claim because mm-hmm. a lot more handling. There's just a lot that can go wrong there yep. and a lot less care with it. Yeah. Um, so LTL claims, I'll touch on that real quick. There's not going to be a lot of recourse there. They're not going to give you the full value. Um, customers should understand that if they are shipping LTL, that's part of the benefit of saving on costs there. It might come back to bite you in the back end. Um, but if you do have an LTL claim, you want to be very quick on that because I've seen agents wait 
you know, as short as a period as two weeks after the load delivers and goes to file the claim, send it to the LTL carrier, and they basically say, yeah, we don't care. The time for the claim is passed. You want to do that within like a five days, you know, a week. Yeah. Um, you got to get that out there quick, or they're just going to say, no, we're not accepting this. And they might do it anyway. Um, they're not in the business of paying out claims. Cargo shield, that is. Cargo shield, that there too. <laughs> That's what I say, all LTL, yeah. if it was up to me. So that oh, covers... we did get a confirmation 30 days. 30 days, 30 cargo days. shield will, okay. will, will pay out that claim, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I would use cargo shield. If I was still broken, I'd use cargo shield on every single load, except for, you know, maybe customers that I know there's never, ever, 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 ever a claim. Right. right. Um, but if there's ever, ever a chance, <laughs> cargo shield at all. Right? The one it thing takes with, it off of me. with cargo shield, we should point out, Joe, there are certain commodities that they won't oh, cover. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's going to be things that they just will refuse to cover. And in those situations, it's not going to be an option. You got to figure something else out. Might have to take the risk. Might have to find additional insurance another way. But I feel like they cover most common commodities that you're going to be shipping. Cargo yeah. shield will cover that. Yeah. And they give you the list of exclusions yep. right before you get into it, right? And that's just something you have to uh, make a business decision on. Uh, but yeah, claims is a whole animal, man. It is a whole other world within yes. the world of, of brokering, right? Um, because it's just, we are, you know, we're used to being the third party, but that third party is, is, is very gray, right? Everyone's gray, gray, mad at you at that point. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> mad at you. Carrier's mad. Customer's mad. Everybody's mad. And if you've never dealt with one before, you're probably pretty lost. Yeah. And then you, you, you if you've never dealt with one before and a customer comes to you, you're going to be like, oh, we got to pay this out. Yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you didn't make the, you know, you didn't tell the customer how this works. Right. You know, therefore, you know, that's on you as the broker, right? That's your job to make sure that they understand what their, you know, services they're getting from you and what it all entails. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say the uh, overall sum of this is be prepared, over-prepared when a claim hits. Get proactive. Get super proactive. Get in there. Um, you know, Start to truly facilitate. Right, Live and up to your name. Follow up all follow the time up, because that insurance company or that carrier will ignore you if you allow them to. And before the hand, beforehand, set clear expectations on what the role is of a broker in a claim process with your customer. Yep. I'd say yep, those are the two main points, the so what's for, for brokers out there. Um, and, and we can get even more, you know, we can even get maybe like an example of a claim. We'll keep names and, and all that out <laughs> of it, but we can maybe do one of those on an episode. That would be cool to kind of, you know, hey, yeah. what would you have done different or what did this what did this uh, broker do right here? Um, we can get into it, right? But we want to kind of close up the show here. We've been talking for a lot, man. That's a good one, man. We're pretty centric today. And I would say with claims – don't think it's not going to happen to you. It's like, oh, yeah, not, it's, it's not if, but when it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's not, it's not going to be your fault either. It just may happen and you got to be ready. Amen. Well, I want to tease a little bit for next week. We're, uh, we're going to have another guest on. Guest appearance. A guest appearance from our, uh, our producer, our marketing director, the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Yates. He's going to be back on with us. He was on, uh, on last week's episode. Last week, yep. Talking about the uh, cyber attack and everything like that, um, you know, in his in his spare time, he he masters as an IT guy, right? <laughs> but but when he's here with us at LDI, he's the marketing guy, he's the uh, producer of the of the podcast and everything. So he wears a lot of hats, right? So we're yep. gonna get him on. Um, we're gonna have him talk a lot about marketing yourself as a freight broker, as far as your customers, right? Yep. Um, it's gonna be customer concentration, right? Not, not putting all your eggs in one basket, exactly. One customer how to diversify, where it's appropriate, where it's not. Yep. Um, and then uh, a lot of industry focus, right? Making sure that, you know, you're, if you're going to focus on one industry, we're going to kind of make sure we're going across a lot of customers, things like that, right? Yes. We're going to exactly. get into that with, uh, with he's, he's, Andrew. We'll have some good week. advice for everybody next week. So look forward to it. 100%. Well, Alex, that's a close to our uh, episode four here. And as we always say here at the Broker Bros and in Buffalo, yes. go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.